Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. It's time to play! Full-time fantasy. Full-time fantasy. All right, it's Dr. Roto. Get out the insurance cards. Get out the copay. The office is open, my friends. Adam Rona, same people, same show, but new name. We were formerly Scout Fantasy Sports, but now we are full-time fantasy that's right so that's where you can find us and if you forget and you type in the old url it's fine it will take you to fulltimefantasy.com it will but if you want to get there without having to wait that extra two seconds as adam said we're fulltimefantasy.com and we're happy to be with you i'm dr roto he's adam ronas and um any more injuries to your baseball team ronas how are your baseball teams looking right now uh, there's injuries across most of them. A couple of them have been fortunate that I don't have too many injuries, but, uh, tout wars, I got about five guys on the injured list right now. And, uh, my NFBC auction, which is actually my worst team right now, unfortunately, uh, a lot of injuries there and just trying to weather the storm just got back door, but still without Clevenger, Severino, Matt Olson, Austin Meadows, so that's uh it's tough because you know you only have seven bench spots there and basically five six spots on that team are taken up by injured players so it provides you less flexibility each week when you're trying to make decisions on who to start. No, that's true. I mean, injuries can kill you, but did you see another injury Fernando Tatis Jr. expected to be placed on the injured list with a hamstring injury? Um, I don't know. Could be one week, could be two weeks, could be three weeks with a hamstring, could even be longer. Yeah, not a surprise. I think you kind of knew this was going to happen after you saw that play over the weekend where he was stretching for a ball at second base and you could see that it looked very uncomfortable and he was in pain. And I'm sure they were hoping that it wouldn't lead to an IL stint, but they have to make sure that he is completely healthy. And this is a guy, too, in fantasy that you hope to get some stolen bases out of it. Uh, he obviously turned out to be one of the better values because we were, we did not think that he was going to begin the year with the team. And because of that, he was going in the reserve rounds. He was going late. Uh, maybe some people reached in the 17th, 18th round. I saw in a couple of drafts, but for the most part, you know, he was going real late and, uh, he's been very productive so far. He's got six homers, six steals, a nine ten OPS, and he's batting 300. So, uh, pretty bad loss. And I regret, uh, <laughs> in the reserve round of our local league here, the uh, GDD League, uh, I had, I think, the third or fourth pick in the reserve round, and I was all set to take a tease, and I was like, yeah, I don't know. He might not be up for a couple months, and I passed, and uh, Tim Heaney took him with the next pick, and I looked at Tim, and I was like, damn, I probably should have done it. <laughs> well, then, you know, you, you never know when a guy comes up like that. He was so young. You don't expect him to hit 25 home runs, but Tatis looked like he was in, on his way to doing that. Yeah, I just I was surprised that they brought him up real early, and I give the Padres a lot of credit. You know, they were pretty aggressive. It's not often you see someone you know 20 years old, and he had an injury last year too, 
that cut his minor league season short. So I was like, yeah, I don't know if they're going to bring him up now. But obviously Manny Machado and a lot of the players on the team urged the Padres to make that decision. And, uh, you know, it's the reserve round, man. Always take a shot with those guys. This wasn't the 17th round. Uh, so I look back and should have made that decision. Uh, it hasn't hurt me yet. I'm in second place in that league, and I actually picked up my first save of the season on Sunday. Wow. Ryan, Ryan Presley getting me the save. <laughs> nice. It's crazy. Many- yeah, I have, I have one save in that league, and I'm in second place somehow. You have one save in the one league and you're in second place? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know. That's, that's very rare, though, Adam. That is rare, actually, when you think about it. Yeah, and I did get Hansel Robles in Fab. Uh, that's a hundred dollar Fab, and I spent nine on him. So uh, I'm hoping that he is the guy that closes. Since uh, the way they have made their decisions over the last week, week and a half, oh. I think he's the leading candidate. I picked up Robles in three leagues. I think I wanted. I, at first, I thought it was going to be Butry, but I ended up going with Robles, thinking, you know what? I don't think. I think they want Butry in like the seventh, eighth inning, whenever it is. And I don't know. They're a very hard team to predict. Yeah, they are. Uh, but based on the usage, I think it's Robles, and he was the guy who went cheaper of the if both were available in leagues over the weekend. I just think Robles has this reputation of not being a good pitcher because he was inconsistent with the Mets. But he's actually been pretty good with the Angels this year. Not that Buttry has been bad, but he had four saves last year, Buttry, towards the end of last year. If they were so confident in him, why'd they go out and sign Cody Allen, who everyone knew was a disaster waiting to happen? He did not pitch well in the second half with Cleveland. And the way they've used him, they brought him in in the seventh inning with the bases loaded the other day on Sunday. He came into the game in the eighth inning. He did give up a run. It was 4-2 to two going to the bottom of the eighth. The Angels scored three runs, so it took away the save situation. But the way they were setting it up, they wanted Robles to come in for the ninth and go for the save. He did come in for the ninth. He did give up one run. But the way they have managed it, uh, I think it is Robles for now. Again, it could be wrong, but based on the way they have made decisions over the last week, week and a half, I think Robles is the leading candidate. Yeah, I do too. I, I feel pretty comfortable with that. And hopefully uh, people took Robles and maybe got him cheaper than than uh, Buttry. All right, let me ask you this. There are some guys that we say are injury prone. And then you and I often get into an argument. You can't always say that. The guy's not always injury prone. A.J. Pollock, dude, is going to be on the injured list with a right elbow infection. I am saying, Ronas, he's injury prone. The guy's always on the injured list. Yeah, this is uh, an infection in his elbow that I guess is a result of the surgeries he's had in the past. So for him, it's it's been different injuries. It's been the groin. It's been an elbow. Uh, he had that play at the plate a couple years ago in the spring. So uh, this is surgery he's had twice uh, to repair a fractured growth place in his right elbow, and now it's infected. So, you know, uh, I, we shouldn't be surprised. I mean, we've seen him. Go on the injured list. I wasn't afraid to take him this year. I actually did not get him. And I don't think I have him in any redraft leagues. And I think I have him in a scout 44. Uh, damn, I, might, I wonder if I have him in my fan tracks best. Well, that team's a disaster too. Like, I don't even have enough outfielders. I have to start Tapia. And he's not even playing every day. But, uh, yeah, I, I liked Pollock because the price was cheaper this year. But he wasn't a target. It just happened that I liked it. I just happen to have like three, four outfielders on most of my teams by round eight, round nine when he was available. So he kind of just didn't fit the team for me. Uh, I think he would have been pretty productive if he stayed healthy. But I think most, a lot of people did stay away from him because of the injuries.
Now, I like this kid, Alex Verdugo. I really do. Do you think that he gets a shot to play every day? Oh, yeah. I mean, they were already talking about it, and he's owned in a lot of leagues anyway because I think people were hoping that there would be a, a path to playing time. But even before this, uh, Dave Roberts was talking about a way to get him in the lineup more, and that's kind of what the Dodgers do, though. They have so many different uh, players that they can move in and out of the lineup, but I would think he gets a, a long-term opportunity to play every day. All right, so we were talking about Tatis, and this has been a year where we've seen you know guys come up sooner than ever before, I would think, especially like the Padres and the Blue Jays leading the way. Nick Senzel, call is going to come up soon. Do you like him as much as these other guys? Yeah, I mean, he's got to be owned if he's available in leagues. Uh, I think a lot of people drafted him in the hopes that he was going to play every day. The plan was for him to play center field, a position that he has not played before, that he's learning. And then he had the injury that set him back. But right now it looks like potentially the report is he could be up as soon as Friday. And, man, their defense has been atrocious in the outfield for the Reds. Uh, so I don't know how much worse it can get with Senzel. But uh, John Heyman of MLB Network was reporting they're contemplating calling Senzel up as soon as this Friday. It's probably going to happen soon anyway. And. Uh, you know, they probably want to get him a little bit more time down there in center field. And uh, they just don't have anyone to play that position uh, at this point. And his bat certainly will help because the offense has been a major problem for the Reds this year. A major problem. I mean, Peraza, they moved everybody around. They just every night you go to the box scores and you can count on the Reds to, to be somewhere between one and four runs. They never seem to score more. Yeah, I think part of it might be, you know, the weather early on. Uh, they played in a lot of bad weather and just a lot of guys that just have not got going. You also please off to a slow start. Peraza has just picked it up and it's really good timing for him because, you know, the reason why I like Peraza so much going into the year is I thought he would hit leadoff. And then you saw reports as we got into spring and March, they're going to put Winkler, Winker there at leadoff because it's OBP. And then you knew that Peraza was going to hit at the bottom of the order. And that really takes away from his value. He got red hot in the second half last year, showed some pop and some speed. And, you know, this is the third straight game that he's going to be hitting leadoff. He was two for five yesterday, had a stolen base. He had a home run uh, two days ago. So this is really key for Peraza. If he can stay hot here and, you know, provide them a spark and stay atop that lineup, it's going to be a big boost for his fantasy value because I know a lot of people are getting tired of Peraza and especially in the 12-team leagues where you can find better options, people want to drop him. Well, you know, that, that's an interesting question. You want to drop guys. And I thought about, I'll give you another guy. Hey, Aguiar, I was two inches from dropping the guy this week. What did he do last night? Hits a couple of home runs. Yeah, I still think his value is going to take a hit because I, I don't, I, it seems like they're going to let Eric Dames play against right-handers. So uh, I think if you do have him, you probably want to hold on. I, I don't think this is a case of skills deteriorating. Uh, he's basically... His strikeout rate has actually dropped from last year. The walk rate is still fine. He's had some poor luck. He's got a 179 batting average on balls in play. The hard contact is down just a little bit, but I think this is just kind of a small sample here. But the problem is, is you know, you have some players where they go through a period where they struggle, and the team is going to stick with them, whether they're a veteran or someone that has established themselves. They're going to get the opportunity to stay in the lineup and play every day. But with Aguiar, they have options behind him. You know, Eric Dames has shown he can be productive at the major league level, especially if you limit him against left-handed pitching. So that's the biggest problem for Aguiar right now is, will he get an opportunity to get through this 
uh, struggling period, and uh, I'm not so sure. You know, it's going to be really interesting to see if he's in the lineup today because he's coming off a game where he had two home runs, and I believe they're going against the righty today. Well, I mean, truth be told, last year, at the beginning of last year, it was Thames against righties and Aguiar against lefties. And then Thames struggled and Aguiar looked great, so Aguiar won the job. You know, so, I, I mean, the Brewers knew that that's what they had going into last year. It seems likely that it could just be a strict platoon this year. I don't think that's good for anybody's value, per se. Certainly not people who took Aguiar in round seven or eight. But, I mean, there would, be, would not shock me if that came to fruition. If that happens, it'll be better for... Thames because he'll see more righties so it'll hurt Aguiar if they go with a strict platoon and he's only in there against lefties and they're facing Herman Marquez today so um, I guess as you see Thames in a lineup which I don't know I mean if you're the manager do you say all right you know what he even though it was a lefty yesterday he's seeing the ball well let me throw him in there I guess they could it seems like they've been reluctant to play Thames in the outfield uh, because with Christian Yelich being out and my guess is he's still out today uh, you know, that could open up an opportunity, but they've been playing uh, Ben Gamble on right field. Yeah, I don't think you can win much with Ben Gamble, do you? Uh, I mean, they can win with him. Uh, I don't think he's going to help fantasy teams. Yeah, that's for sure. All right, so speaking of winning, if I want to win in DFS, I want to get the best pitcher. And sometimes, Adam, you go and you spend money on Justin Verlander, who looked very good, and then you got Jake Overeasy, who looked even better. Is Jake Overeasy anybody that you would ever pick up in a seasonal league, or is it just a guy who had a good outing, and that's what it is, and let's move on? Uh, I would think about it. I mean, I think he was cut cut in a 15-team league a couple weeks ago, and I thought about it, and uh, I think I had a small bid and didn't get him. Uh, he's real frustrating because he can be good at times. Uh, some of the numbers are, are pretty good this year, but... Uh, I just he has these blow-up spots. He's had a couple games this year where he, I think the game in Philadelphia, he couldn't get out of the first inning. Now, that was a tough matchup in Philadelphia where I think uh, a lot of pitchers you don't want to put in there. And he had a game against the Mets where he was cruising for four innings and then just fell apart in the fifth inning. Uh, but last night was impressive against the Astros. It's a really good lineup, and uh, he just had a great start. He did. I mean, I, I can't blame anybody who played Verlander, but I mean, Verlander pitched well, but, you know, he didn't get the win. So you spent uh, 11300 on that out, and that wasn't a good savings. No, you want the win, but, you know, again, he pitched well. I don't think it was a bad play. Okay. Are there any other players that you think that are coming up in the next, I don't know, week or two? Do you think we'll see Dylan Cease? I mean, Senzel's coming up, Bo Bichette. Are there anybody, anybody in the horizon that you're really, like, keeping a watch on? Well, Bichette won't be up for a while because he's hurt. Uh, uh, broken wrist, hand. Oh, I didn't see hit. that. Oh, oh yeah, that happened that. like a week or two ago. Where was I? I don't oh, know. Oh, my God. I was watching the NFL draft. I didn't see that. How long is he supposed to be out for? Four to six weeks. Oh, crap. I did not see that. So that's a big loss for them. How's, that, how's Kevin Biggio playing down there? Uh, he's been pretty good from what, uh, the last I checked. So are there any minor leaguers, like I said, like Senzel, who are on your watch list? Uh, pretty much Senzel would be the guy. I mean, I think he's owned in a lot of leagues, though. I think people have held on to him. So, you know, again, we've seen a lot of the top guys already come up. I mean, the Braves always have some interesting arms to see what they do with those guys. But uh, it seems like they're going to shuffle guys in and out just to keep the innings down on some of those young players. But uh, I think we've seen a lot of top guys already either start the year with the team or be called up. Do you think Cease will come up? Because he's looked very good this year. 
Uh, yeah, it's possible. Um, you know, they're kind of rebuilding, though, so I think service time is a big deal for them. You know that, and I, I'm in a league um, that where you have a hundred dollars fab. Vlad Guerrero went for seventy three dollars last week. Is that how is he available? How is he Cause available? Because in this stupid league, you can't pick guys who are who are not on a team at, at the draft. Remember that that league I told you about? Yeah, no, that's so terrible. Seventy three dollars that somebody wasted on their fab budget. How much would how you spend? How did Vlad they waste Guerrero? it? How did they waste it? If this guy produces for five months, how is that a waste? Then maybe it's a but then who do you, you can't pick up anybody the rest of the year? You have you're out of moves left. Good luck with that, I guess. All right, talk a little bit NBA playoffs when full-time fantasy returns right after this. Made Sailors is the leading cleaning service in New York City and Boston. We service homes, offices, corporate apartments, and Airbnb turnarounds. Give us a call or text at 212-299-5170 to book now. That's 212-299-5170. Use the promo code FNTSY for 15% off your first cleaning. For more information, go to MadeSailors.com. That's MadeSailors.com. What's your IRS problem? Do you owe back taxes? Is there a lien placed on your property? Have your bank accounts been frozen or seized? Have your wages been garnished? Are you being audited by the IRS? Are they sending you letters that demand actions and have urgent due dates? Well, solving your tax problems is as easy as calling Taxes 321. The IRS is the largest collection agency in the world. You need the best representation to give you peace of mind. You need experienced professionals that can cut through the red tape and stop the collection process. If you have a serious problem with the IRS, call the Taxes 321 network today. We'll get them off your back. 800-961-3631 Rain it! Make it rain. If you were to tell Giant fans Josh Rosen or the Duke yeah. quarterback right now, this is a guy that can be a 10-15 year starting quarterback in the NFL, and yet it could not have gone any worse to start this his career, and yet he continues to fight back, persevere. This guy is doing and saying all the right things. This guy's going to have a giant chip on his shoulder now. He already did, but I can't help but the root for him here, man. Weekdays, 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern on the Fantasy Sports Network and on your popular podcast providers. All right, guys, full-time fantasy, and we're back. 2019 NFL Draft is in the books. And for fantasy football players and NFL bettors, the season starts now. If you're serious about fantasy football, it's never too early to start prepping for the 2019 season. And Roto Experts has you covered with your NFL 365 fantasy football package, including the best math-based seasonal projections and rankings available anywhere on the Internet. Dave Smatic and the Roto Experts are providing dynasty, season-long betting, best ball, and NFL draft content every day of the year to give you an edge regardless of what type of fantasy football you play. Save 10% at rotoexperts.com with promo code FNTSY. That's 10% off with promo code FNTSY. The NFL 365 fantasy football package only at rotoexperts.com. I told you, Ronis, I'm in the midst of my first dynasty draft of the year I'll call it the way too early draft. The NFL draft. I'm still processing the NFL draft, Adam. It's hard for me to even consider drafting right now. Yeah, and especially this year where it's just 
kind of chaos in terms of rookies and where they landed in a lot of spots where it doesn't look good initially. So it's going to be a wild rookie draft this year. If I read you the first round of picks, you'd be shocked. I, I don't even – here, I'll just read you the – Josh Jacobs was a great pick, right, because he fits. And I think we can agree with that, right? A.J. Brown, you like him in Tennessee with Mariota there? No, I like the talent, but it's a terrible landing spot. Right. Miles Sanders went third. Love the player. They're a committee, oh, committee approach always. They have been. I mean, I think there is an opportunity for him to emerge at the forefront, but based on the history, what we've seen with Peterson, he likes to spread it out among running backs. So I think that's a case of where they're hoping the talent wins out, but we already have a history of what they like to do there in Philly. Absolutely. Nikhil Harry went next. I mean, I like the player, but Brady's got a lot of weapons too. Yeah, I, I like the pick. I, I think he's a, a good fit. He has the size. They obviously lost Gronkowski, so they need a red zone threat. Now, of course, it is very difficult picking up that system. And you know, how many years does Brady have left? Who's the next quarterback? But he would be one of the top picks for me. He would be for me too. And then we're, I'm, this is an IDP league, so Bosa went. Quinnen Williams went. Makes a lot of sense. Paris Campbell went. Like the player, but... I mean, look, you've got Ebron, you've got Doyle, you've got Mack, you've got Hines, you've got Hilton. As much as I like Paris Campbell, can you expect more than 50 or 60 catches for him next year? Not this year. I think, you know, so, I, you know some of these guys might be thinking long-term with the pick, too. Um, and, again, I do like the player. I think, though, for this year, at least, it's uh, not enough targets to go around. Right. Then Ed Oliver went. I took TJ Hawkinson at 9. Gee, I think Hawkinson is a really, you know how we always go, you know, the ceiling and the floor. I think his floor is very high. Yeah, and even if it doesn't happen this year, because we do know that rookie tight ends tend to have a transition because there's so much for them to pick up in terms of the blocking scheme, knowing the routes. It's just a tough transition, but certainly uh, one of the more talented tight ends we've seen. And tight end is a position, too, where it's so bad. You really don't even need to have a huge year to break into the top 12. I mean, just go look at the numbers that some of the tight ends put up in the 8 to 15 range last year, and you'll be like, wow, that's not even a lot. So, yeah, there's definitely – maybe this year it's not as good, but the next two, three years could be really good for him. Now, to finish out the first round, Marquise Brown went, Devin White at IDP, DK Metcalf, Debo Samuel, David Montgomery. I like Brown, Metcalf, and Samuel – but I don't think any of these guys are sure things. Brown's got Lamar Jackson, who's still figuring out how to pass the ball. Metcalf is on an offense that doesn't throw that much. And then uh, Debo Samuel, there's a, they, they drafted a lot of weapons there. So these are guys I like, but I can't tell you that any of these guys are going to have great years. Yeah, and that's the thing about this draft. That's why, especially in redraft leagues, not a ton of rookies that are appealing. And in Dynasty, you know, you kind of have to think a little bit beyond this year. And uh, everyone has different opinions, man. I'm telling you. Uh, this is going to be one of the wildest drafts. You know, in years past, like we kind of know uh, it's pretty much the same in each one. You're not going to see it. It's going to be all over the place. You're going to see a player go full overall in one rookie draft and maybe full to the beginning of the second round and the next. It's all going to come down to what people, people's perceptions. Obviously, people have a strong feeling on a certain player, and a lot of other people don't agree with it.
No, I agree. I, I think it's, you know, there, there are very few sure things in this draft. I, I really feel strongly about that. Debo Samuel, I like the player. But now that he's in San Francisco, there's Dante Pettis. They've got 17 running backs. They've got Kittle. They drafted Jalen Hurd. I, where's the pathway to 70 receptions? So, I, I, once again, I'll tell you, I, I like the player. I just don't know whether there's prime opportunity. Yeah, he'll, you know, Goodwin obviously has had a problem staying healthy, so that could open things up. Uh, didn't Pettis get banged up a little bit last year, too? He did, but he he, he showed pretty well when he, when he was yeah. out there. And obviously, Kittle's got to get a ton of targets, and they like throwing to the running backs and with McKinnon and Coleman. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the thing with a lot of these rookie players this year. We didn't see a lot of them land in great spots where you go, oh, yeah, they're going to produce this year. It's looking beyond this year for a lot of these guys. If you're in the hunt for a title this year, uh, unless you have a, an early pick, and even then, I mean, okay, yeah, Jacob, sure, but like, where else are we saying, yeah, this guy's absolutely going to produce this year? There's not many. When do you start drafting in football? When do you, when, do you have any dynasty leagues, and if so, when do they start? Uh, no, I don't have any dynasty leagues right now. I start doing best ball drafts usually May, June. May, yeah. This league we start right after the draft. I have another one that's usually like in June or July. That's usually better for me because I kind of know the players and I've, I've really researched the, the situations better. This one's actually interesting because it kind of, this is like when you do a baseball draft in January. It ramps me up for the season early, which I do appreciate that part. But the rest of it is I still don't know the answers. Right, and I don't think anyone does right now either. We're all trying to kind of figure things out and looking for pathways to targets or playing time. And the initial reaction from the draft is this is a class where it's going to be tough for a lot of these guys to put up production the first year. Now, injuries always happen, uh, but that's something you can't predict. Well, that's true. I think that... You know, you don't know. And, and look, the injuries could happen early. I always say this. If a guy's going to get er injured, let it happen early in the process so I could figure it out later. When it happens so close to the end of the season after we've drafted, I can't fix my team at that point. Right. And, you know, and that's some of the criticisms of the early drafts. But, again, when you play in a multitude of leagues, I think it's always good to do a couple drafts early. And they could be best ball. You know, I, it, you know we all love to draft. You don't have to spend a ton of money. And, uh, you know, you get – the itch to draft out of the way and then it really starts to get you in draft mode so uh we actually have a, a 99 dollar draft and go tonight uh, and there's some spots remaining so 9 p.m eastern so you could head on over to playffwc.com i like those draft and goes right i like not i like a couple of leagues where i don't have to make moves during the year you know where it's just uh you know set it and forget it which is uh you know i know i don't like playing that most of the time but i like drafting that way now where i don't have to think about it yeah, because, you know, we're already going to have a lot of redrafts leagues. What do you think you're going to have this year? Ten for where you have oh, to make moves? More, more. Okay, so that's what I'm saying. So, you know, you're not going to draft most of those, I would think, until July, August. So early on, you know, do some best ball drafts where you get the opportunity to draft. There are 28 rounds, and you start to get into a rhythm. And you can win some money. I mean, you don't even have to win or cash out in all of them. If you just do like five and cash in one or two, you're going to make a profit. Do you know, I haven't figured out how some of these guys who have like 250 teams, how they do it. It's not that I couldn't do it, Adam. I could draft 250 teams. I don't know whether I could do the moves during the season for 250 teams. I can barely keep my head straight when I do 15 to 20. 
Yeah, it really is a lot. I mean, my Sundays right now for baseball alone are just insane. You know, going through the waiver wire for each team and trying to figure out two-star pitchers. And now with the baseball schedule uh, spacing out off days, there's a lot of teams this week that have five games. So if you're like in the NFBC, you know, you don't want to – you can't sit all of them, but the Monday through Thursday where they're playing twice, so you have to do that. And then obviously with football, it's all concentrated into – you have a short span. I mean, you got the game Monday night, and then boom, you got waivers running Wednesday night. So you have essentially have like two days to put everything together, wait on the injury news. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a lot of work uh, for 200 teams. It's insane. And then in our leagues, you know, the FFWC, you can make moves on Friday as well. Most people don't do Friday moves, but there's always three 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 out of 12 teams that do moves on Friday. And if you want to be smart, you can make those moves as well. Definitely. That is something that you cannot overlook. And I understand Friday night is a night for a lot of people to go out. They work all week. They go out with the wife or the kids on Friday night, and they forget about it. And that's where you can sneak in these cheap plays for – you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 bucks. And the next week, they could be available in other leagues and they're going for 15, 20% of the budget. So you can get real sneaky in that spot, too. Uh, that's why you cannot miss, you, you should never miss any waiver period. Even if you think, oh, I'm good, just always check. You never know. You'll be surprised by maybe someone that was dropped. And uh, like you said, if the entire league is not putting in bids on that night, uh, you can take advantage. You really can. I find that most leagues that I'm in on Friday night, if people bid, they're bidding no more than 5 or $10. So if you're willing to spend like 15 20 you can get almost any guy you want on a Friday night. No, it's true. I've seen it too. Same thing. Because uh, usually all the names that people are clamoring for are gone in that first period. But there could be a sneaky guy that maybe you go, you know what? They're starting to play more snaps. I could see them getting more involved in the right. offense. Maybe in two, three weeks down the road. They can be a bigger part of the offense. Uh, let, let me take them now and stash them because you know what happens. As soon as a guy goes up and has a big game, scores a long touchdown, that's $280, it. $280, right? Yeah, you know, <laughs> you, that's the key is, you know, now with so much information out there, you have got to anticipate and make these pickups earlier. And if it, it doesn't work out, fine. It's not a big deal. You didn't spend a lot of money. They're an easy cut. But if they hit and they become a starter, man, you just struck gold. Yeah, I mean, look, you look at a guy like Rashad Higgins last year. Do you remember when he went for a lot of money early yeah. in the season? Mm-hmm. A, t- a ton, 300, 400. I mean, people overpay for a guy like that. And I'm not blaming anybody who paid for the Higgins. I'm just saying you may have, you paid too much for Higgins because you overpaid when you could have had him two weeks before that for 30 bucks. Absolutely. It happens in every sport. By the way, breaking news here. The Nationals have finally placed Anthony Rendon on the injured list. And this is a complete joke, man. And I feel bad for people that had Rendon because what you have to do is interpret the situation. And to me, with what was going on with Rendon, I didn't think they would place him on the injured list. I said it yesterday to someone. It's a weekly league. So I said, look, if Rendon is not in the lineup Monday night and they don't place him on the injured list, my guess is he comes back and plays Tuesday or Wednesday. Instead, you find out he's not in the lineup yesterday. He was losing for the week. Reserve. You lose him for the week. You right? go, all right, you know what? I'll take the shot. And then after the game, yeah, we're going to just putting him on the injury list. And now they finally do. I don't know what the, they mismanaged this here. I mean, it's easy to say from afar. Maybe the elbow swelling went down because he did play one game, but he sat out like seven of the last eight games. And this is where the weekly league uh, 
comes into play and it screwed people that have him in the lineup for the entire week now. Now you get you got zeros last week when you had him in for most of the week, and now you're going to get a complete week unless you're in an FBC where you can change it Friday of zeros. It's an absolute killer. Yeah, it's it's really killer. It, it is, and I don't know. I, you you want to blame? I, I guess I do blame the franchises. You don't think they would have known on Monday night the same thing they know today? I think, and I have to look into it more. They probably felt like he was close, uh, and he did come back. I think he played Thursday. So did they, did they retroactive it to, uh, to, was it to Friday? No, well, I think he played, he played either Wednesday or Thursday. So, they'll, yeah, they'll, they'll definitely retroactive it. So you'll have, I guess, four days of it already served. So uh, maybe he comes back this weekend potentially, but it's probably not going to happen. And, you know, they went a lot of days with well, him. Well, maybe, the they needed the, maybe they needed the batting in the Cardinals series. They didn't want to be without somebody. Yeah, they're playing seven days this week. So yeah. I think they probably just said, all right, you know what? It's just not getting better. We don't want to rush him out there. So, yeah, definitely uh, it's a tough break. I'm sure there's a lot of people who put Rendon in their lineup this week thinking, you know what? All right, he'll be back. I know I had one decision to make with Rendon, and it was him or Matt Adams and decided to go with Adams because they're facing – all righties this week, and I figured he would play. And it is a, a the NFBC, so I would have been able to put Rendon back in on Friday. So uh, I made the right call there. But there probably have been some other situations where people didn't have a better option and said, you know what, I'm going to take the chance, put Rendon in. Because, again, I try to interpret this situation with logic, and I thought when they did not put him on the injury list yesterday, I was like, all right, he's probably going to play Tuesday or Wednesday. And then after the game, they said, yeah, we're going to consider putting him on the injury list. So you're right. I don't know what changed from 2, 3 p.m. before the game to after the game. Unless right, like that elbow right. all of a sudden just swelled up to a basketball. Yeah, I don't think that's possible if he yeah. wasn't playing. I, I, yeah. I don't understand it. So, you know, look, teams sometimes make mistakes, and they obviously clearly want Rendon's bat in the lineup. He's been one of the best hitters in baseball this year. So it's just a, a tough break in the unfortunate part of weekly leagues and you know, some people love playing in the weekly leagues, and I understand it. It's easier to manage teams, set your lineup once a week, do waivers once a week. It takes a lot of maintenance out, but this is the drawback if you play in that format. All right, you did mention the word basketball, and I said I would talk about basketball very quickly in our final segment. We'll get to the night in DFS, but NBA, Ronas, the, 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 um, the playoffs look pretty good. Boston against Milwaukee. Is this a must-win game for Milwaukee? Uh, I think so, especially for confidence. You know, they got punched in the face, and I think – Going against Detroit in the first round, they were never challenged. And Boston's a completely different team. They're very odd. They had chemistry issues this year. They were very inconsistent. But they have playoff experience. They have a good coach. Kyrie Irving just performs in the big games. And this is a team that can play defense. And when they're all on the same page, uh, they're a tough team. So uh, big game for Milwaukee tonight. But I do expect Milwaukee to come out and play well. I do, too, but this is a must-win, in my opinion. Philadelphia against Toronto. Kawhi Leonard's got to get other guys involved. They should be winning this series, but I think Philadelphia is going to play them tough, too. I, I don't know how the hell Philadelphia won this game. I think Toronto played its absolutely worst game. They came alive late. They got crushed on the boards. Philadelphia got nothing from Joel Embiid, who said he had mud butt uh, and obviously played like it. Ben Simmons did nothing. Tobias Harris did nothing. I mean, Jimmy Butler carried this team. Their second-leading scorer was James Ennis off the bench who played 24 minutes. I mean, this is a game that Philadelphia is lucky to escape with a win because uh, I did not think that they were that great at all. And uh, especially in the second half, that's where Toronto came alive. So uh, 
it will be a battle as they go back to Philadelphia. Uh, but I, I don't know how Philly won this game. All right. And then uh, Denver won the first game against the Trailblazers. Uh, I don't think the Blazers are in a must-win situation, but I think they'd like to get a win on the road here. Yeah, of course. They'd like to even it up. Uh, I, I think Denver just has too much depth. I think the first series win for Denver was huge for their confidence because they, they seem kind of nervous early on in that series. Uh, they play much better at home. And uh, I'm just worried. Uh, Enos Cantor played great yesterday, but he's got a bad shoulder injury. I mean, you could see it. When he was hanging on the rim, he was wincing. Uh, they said he could barely brush his teeth and put on a shirt. I give him a ton of credit. Guy has a lot of heart and toughness. But, man, they just have no answer for Nikola Jokic, who's like yeah. one of the most underrated superstars. And hopefully now, you know, the casual fan will see him play and realize how good he is because the guy's a stud. And the last one, I think this is a must game for the Houston Rockets. You don't want to go down 2-0. All the Warriors need to do is win one in Texas. Yeah, and game one was the opportunity for Houston. Uh, Curry didn't do much. Thompson didn't do much. And uh, they could not take advantage and win. Yeah. All right. When we come back, we're going to come back and we're going to talk about the MLB DFS. That's night slate. And we'll do it right after this. If you've heard of WeatherTech floor liners, you probably know that for your vehicle's floor, nothing protects better. But what about protection for the rest of your car or truck? I'm David McNeil, founder of WeatherTech. Besides our floor liners, we design, engineer, and manufacture a wide range of automotive accessories right here in America. And just like our floor liners, everything is done to the highest standards possible. We understand what kind of investment owning a vehicle can be, so we do everything possible to help you protect it. We don't take shortcuts, and we never make concessions when it comes to quality. For everything from cargo liners to cleaning and detailing supplies to mud flaps and car covers, the one place you need to go is WeatherTech.com. So if you are familiar with our floor liners, just imagine how well the rest of our products will work for you. Learn more about our full line of automotive accessories at WeatherTech.com or call 1-800-CARMATS. WeatherTech.com. Proudly made in America. Maurice Allen, 2015-2016 European Long Drive Tour Champion, 2017 World Number One. Me personally... I keep my game face on me all the time. Especially coming out of the bunker, leaving the range, or even leaving the course. What's your story? Go to GameFaceRoofing.com for all your athletic facial wipes and body cleansing needs. Fantasy. Andrew Benatendi to me was just kind of a boring player. Unless right. you were projecting him to do something that he hasn't done before. Like, this was going to be his third full season in the majors. Do you expect a, a third-year breakout? If that was the case, then you probably took Andrew Benatendi at that 2-3 turn. I would have taken Darling Marte over him, Freddie Freeman, Giancarlo Stan. Any of those guys were falling towards the end of the second round. He's hitting around 230 against lefties. That's always been an issue for him. Not my guy. <laughs> Andrew Benatendi, not my guy. Weekdays, noon Eastern on FNTSY Radio and on your popular podcast providers. All right, we're back. We are full-time fantasy. Not part-time fantasy, Ronis. Not occasionally fantasy. We are full-time fantasy. That's right, 24-7. That's right. Here for you to try to give you the, the, the players that you need to win. So let's talk about tonight's slate in Major League Baseball. Adam Wainwright against Annabelle Sanchez. The Cardinals are favorites. The Rendonless Nationals, nine and a half run total. I think it's going to be over because those both these pitchers suck. 
Yeah, opinion. Sanchez has been awful so far for the Nationals. Wainwright's been okay at times. He's actually pitched pretty well in some games, not so in other games. But, you know, Nats have some good bats. So I think this is a game where, yeah, you're not really looking at the pitchers here. There's uh, pretty good options on the slate tonight, and uh, this is not one where you want to go to. All right, Detroit is playing Philadelphia. The Philadelphia is minus 200 over and under is 8.5. Spencer Turnbull against Vince Velasquez. I'm just going to say this. If you want a contrarian play, I don't hate Spencer Turnbull. I worry about him in that park. I mean, it's just a, a tough place to pitch in that lineup. It's really difficult lineup to get through. Uh, I actually think Velasquez is not a bad play. Detroit is just a team that strikes out a ton. I mean, Ronaldo Lopez struck out 14 Tigers on Sunday, and every, everyone's kind of gushing over Lopez. If you look, most of his strikeouts, I think 22 of his 39 strikeouts have come in two starts against the Tigers. So uh, I, I think Velasquez is in play. He's been really good so far. He's striking out a batter per inning, ERA at 199, and the Tigers are terrible against righties and strike out a bit. So... Uh, I think you can get a good performance from Velasquez tonight. And I know he's been a pitcher in the past that's difficult to trust, but we all know he has games where he can dominate. Oh, seven innings, one hit, 12 strikeouts. Right. I mean, so, but he also could go two innings eight and eight earned runs, too. He could, but look, Detroit's just not a good offense. Uh, and I, get, I know the hitting environment is an upgrade for them. They'll have the pitcher in the batting order. Uh, it's just getting through the top of the order. You know, Castellanos has started to pick it up. Uh, finally hit a home run the other day. Miggy's okay, but you get through those two. Uh, and I like Nico Goodroom too, but it's just not a great lineup. So I think Velasquez is in play tonight. All right. Oakland is playing Boston. Aaron Brooks against Rick Porcello. Minus 160, Boston, nine and a half runs. I always pick on Porcello. Yeah, he's been bad so far this year. I think he's coming off one good start. Uh, but I, I think the Red Sox are in play. I think they're starting to pick it up. We started to see them come on yesterday. Uh, Mookie Betts is really hot right now, so uh, I like the Red Sox side of this. All right, Cincinnati's playing the Metropolitans. Luis Castillo against Jason Vargas. Cincinnati, a road favorite, minus 115. Eight is the over-under. I mean, look, the Reds are starting to heat up. I like Peraza and Suarez and Puig. I'll take my right-handed bats against Vargas anytime. Yeah, Peraza is very cheap on DK, if I'm not mistaken, because I was looking at it earlier today. I think he's 3,300, leading off against the lefty. He's starting to hit the ball. Suarez against the lefty, definitely in play. So, yeah, I think you could look at uh, some of your Red Sox bats. I mean, your Reds bats uh, tonight. And I'll give you a guy, Ronas. Kurt Casale, batting fifth in that lineup. Probably get him on the cheap, too. Peraza's 3,300. Puig right. is 38 on DK. What's Casale? Casale is, uh, let's see, he is 30. How come I don't see 31, 32? Maybe he's higher. Type his name in. All right, let's see. He is 35. Ooh, he was 31 the other night. Yeah, well, they probably saw a lefty on the mound. If he could get it right, he might get a start. Yeah, for sure. All right, Cleveland against Miami. Trevor Bauer against Sandy Alcantara. Cleveland minus 210 over under 7. Uh, I feel very good about starting Trevor Bauer tonight, Adam. I mean, you should. And I don't know if he – look, he's going to get a high percentage ownership. But oh, I yeah. think there's some people who are going to say, oh, everyone's going to take him against Miami. Uh, I'm going to go in a different direction. And I think there are options tonight. But, I mean, really, logically, how can you 
How can you refute Bauer tonight? I mean, he's got 45 strikeouts in 40 innings, a 1.99 ERA. The Marlins are a terrible offense. They're even they're worse against right-handed pitching. Uh, he doesn't allow a lot of home runs. It's a uh, you know, favorable good ballpark. ballpark. Yeah. yeah, I mean... How the does pitchers he not... pitch? The pitchers hitting, dude. You're all. I got to be all in on Bauer. Got to yeah, be all like, in on Bauer. Okay, he goes seven innings, gets eight to ten strikeouts, allows one or two runs. Like, how do you not see that coming? And if he gets hammered, I'll say, look, all right, fine. I did. I I, I don't see the logic and how that happens with the Marlins. We all know baseball is a strange game, and Bauer could go out there and not have his best stuff. But uh, it's hard not to play Bauer see, tonight. I would take that shot on Velasquez sucking, not on Bauer sucking. Because Velasquez can blow up, and that line is minus 200. So if I'm in Vegas, Ronas, and I'm not saying the Phillies aren't a good team, but I'm not ta- minus 200. I'll take my shot on the on the Tigers winning. I'm not taking the Marlins against Trevor Bauer any way you slice it. Yeah, it's just like you don't see a path to like him getting battered. Like yeah. it would be, it would have to be him just cannot finding the strike zone. And if I'm not mistaken, I think in that game against Houston, didn't he walk six guys and he still didn't he give did. up much? He did. Yeah. He did have a lot of walks. Because I, I know him and Bregman have been going back and forth, and uh, Bregman's like, oh, he thought he dominated? Okay. I mean, look, he went eight innings in that game. He walked six, only three strikeouts, and allowed one run. So, But there was the time like he had like no strikeouts through the first three innings or something like that. It was very strange because I played Bauer. I'm like, we're in the Ks, dude. I know, which was very weird because he has at least seven strikeouts in his other five starts. Uh, he's gone at least five and two-thirds innings in every start. He's gone at least seven innings in three of them. And he's gone against Houston, a good offense. Atlanta, a good offense. Seattle, which is up and down. Detroit, actually, his worst start was against Detroit. He went five and two-thirds innings. If I'm not mistaken, I think that might have been a cold day. I remember watching that game. It was early April. He's gone against Toronto, which is not a great offense, and he walked six. He has two games this year where he's walked six guys. I thought he got over that last year, but... Uh, and then in Minnesota, which is a good offense, he dominated. So, look, it's it's logically it's it's a great spot to be in, which means he'll probably suck. All right, I'd like to say let's not overthink it. I okay. exactly. I think sometimes <laughs> you just can't, right? I mean, just overthink it. Just can you ask for a better spot than this? No, just play it. I mean, if you're gonna lose, you're gonna lose. Just play it. So what, right. in D, right. so on DK, if you use him, you're gonna go with him and then look for uh, a cheaper a cheap pitcher. Dude. Right, right. So I don't have it in front of me. I will actually, I will get it in front of me. Give me my uh, one moment, please. Please hold. Please continue. What are you looking for? The DK, the, nu- the numbers to see what, what, I would, uh, what I would do here. He's 10-9 on DK. Right, but I'm looking for a second guy. So let's Velasquez see. Velasquez is 8-7. Is that too high? Too high. So if I go Bauer, I'm going Griffin Canning at 78. 78. Turnbull at 72. Oh. Yeah, yeah, and that's going, it's starting to get dicey down there. I don't want to go Shasin, Vargas. If I thought that the, the the if I thought that the Reds were going to suck, but they won't. Uh, Sabathia maybe. Sabathia, I would go Sabathia, Turnbull, Lyles. How about Lyles? In Texas, I, I know, but he's capable of a good game. I'm just giving you guys. Can't I'd say off the top of my head, Canning, Lyles, Turnbull is where I'd go with Bauer. Uh, you know who has pitched well, believe it or not, is Felix Hernandez. I'm the, yeah, no, no, no. He had eight no. strikeouts in his last start against San Diego. I, I believe you. No, not doing. He's it. got a three nine one ERA. No, Chicago's not me. good. <laughs> uh, 
Do I feel good about it? No. I mean, no. The, looking... the, the, and then it could be they could be a bad road team too. That could be bad. No, no, that could be. I don't know. Well, let's take a look what else is out there. Paddock against Tehran. This game, no line yet. Eight and a half run total. I like Tehran at home, but I love Chris Paddock, dude. Oh. Yeah, it's a tough assignment for him in Atlanta. Uh, again, the one concern with him is, you know, how many innings does he go? Uh, well, last time out, he went uh, seven innings, uh, six innings before that. But he's been very efficient with the pitches. But here's his pitch counts, man. 83, 88, 88, 89, 79. He has not reached 90 pitches in a game I'm okay with that. I don't think they want him to. I know they don't. But in DFS, though, that's a, a little yeah. bit of a concern, right? I mean, no, he's that's true. Right. the last he's, two starts. He's a six-inning six guy. He's six inning. Right. He's, I mean, he better get... FanDuel. he's better on FanDuel because you get the quality start. Right. And, look, he can still get you the eight strikeouts in six innings, but, you know, at 9,000. Yeah, you're not, it's, it's risky. Because he, he may not get the win. He may leave it 2-2 in the sixth inning. Right. I mean, All we right. could say that about a lot of pitchers in baseball <laughs> nowadays, right? Colorado against Milwaukee. Herman Marquez against Jules Chassin. Colorado, a slight favorite. I, I like Marquez, but I don't want to play him against the Brewers, dude. Yeah, you know, you like him much better on the road. And, of course, he's capable of dominating. Uh, and he's had a uh, couple of really great road starts, uh, which – been shaky at home. The one thing is, you know, we can get a lot of K's. My guess is Christian Yelich is not in the lineup tonight. That helps. Uh, but yeah, it's not the best environment. 9,700 on DK. It's a lot. Yeah. I guess, I guess if you, I don't think he'll be highly owned though. I so don't think he, he will be. I think he's sneaky, but you know, wouldn't you pay up for Castillo or Bueller? You wouldn't pay for Marquez. Which is why you might get him at a low ownership. And uh, Milwaukee's offense has been up and down. And right. taking Yelich out is a, is a big loss. Now, there's three games where there's rain tonight. Cole against Pineda. 68% um, chance of rain. It's 48 degrees in Minnesota. Good luck with that, people. Um, if this game goes, would you play Cole? Yeah, because uh, his overall numbers don't look good. And it's going to scare people away. Because he had really had one bad start. Uh, his ERA is 471. He's pitched way better than that. And it goes back to what uh, I've said in the past is, you know, you want a pitcher that's going to get you a ton of strikeouts nowadays. And Cole has three games of double-digit Ks, and he's had at least eight strikeouts in every start except one. Uh, and I know the Twins' offense has been pretty good, but they have a lot of strikeouts in there. they got, like, four guys who strike out more than 23% of the time. So, yeah, I think Cole's in play, and uh, some people might – be shy to spend up for him. They're going to go Bauer, uh, Castillo, maybe even a Blake Snell, Bueller because of the matchup. Uh, Colt's still in play for me, but like you said, the weather's an issue you got to look at. There's a, and what were the other two games? Was... Ball, Baltimore, Chicago's 84% chance of rain. It's 46 degrees in mm. Chicago. Good luck with that, dude. And then Tampa Bay, Kansas City, 60% chance of rain. Let's hope that they call these games early enough. And I think so far this year, they've done a pretty good job of that. So um, Well, you need the Baltimore-White Sox game to get called, and I'm going to tell you why. Because it's Kashner against Ivan Nova, and people are going to stack the crap out of that game. Oh, yeah. I mean, Nova is coming off just an awful outing. Kashner, everyone picks on, and he has these games where he's decent. The last time out, he was decent. Yeah, he was. At home, occasionally he's decent. I don't like him on the road decent. So I think this is a game. I want to see this game called because this game could skew the offense. What do you usually do when the rain is 
forecast like it is in those games and it's not called by the time line lock is? Do you completely stay away or do you go, you know what? Uh, no, I'm so get I, these guys at low ownership. I'm going to take a shot. So I used to stay away. And then I met this guy named Tommy G, who used to say, Doc, that's what you play. He though. ruined your life? He ruined he my life in many turned, ways. Yeah, he, he turned you into a, a degenerate. Yeah. But, but one of the things was he's like, Doc, you want to stay with those guys as long as you can because most people will get off them. And then the ownership goes way down. So could I lose money if the game gets postponed? Yeah, but most pe- 80% of the money goes away from it. And then you've got a better chance to win if that game plays. Yeah, no, it, it's true. And you you understand though when you make that decision like hey there's a good chance the gig's canceled I get a zero uh, I right. can get a zero uh, right right and I'm taking a shot there but if it does play you get a lot of those guys you know potentially three four or five percent owned right because I still am the guy I still part of me is still like the old me where I'm like oh I don't want to play them and then part of me so is what what I do now is I just put the lineup the way I want it and I wait and wait and wait and wait I think with with pitchers I'll pull them but with hitters I'll hold them. Yeah, well, pitchers, I think it's a little bit different yeah. uh, because, you know, you, it's really difficult to take the zero and get it and, and cash. Uh, so that's even though you will get the low ownership and that's a game anyway where you don't want either pitcher. Now, I know Jordan Lyles, you said no to me before. Texas is a slight favorite. 11 is the total here. Lyles had been pretty darn good except for his last start, and he had an injured finger going into that game. Maybe people remember the disaster, which was his last start, and I could get low ownership tonight. You will, because people don't want to take pitchers in Texas. And, of course, if they're looking at the Vegas lines, they're going to see that number and they're going to stay away. Now, Texas is running out Samson. so He could let up eight runs right there. Right. So that's what you're hoping for is like, okay, the Pirates offense jumps on Samson, gets lead, and Lyles can just be average. And, you know, the strikeout rate has been pretty good this year. Uh, Again, we're only looking at a handful of starts, but he's at uh, 25% strikeout rate, which is a little bit up from last year. And uh, we saw at times last year he was pretty good, too. It's just kind of scary pitching in Texas. That's the only thing. I'll give you a sneaky guy who I'm just thinking about now here, Adam. Snell is against Jake Junis. I don't hate Jake Junis because Snell may not go deep in this game. There's a good chance of rape. It's 66 degrees. They babied him the last time out. Maybe he only goes five innings this time. And if Kansas City can keep it close, I'm just I'm not saying I'm going with Junis. I just don't hate the play. I worry about him. He's been very homer prone. And this Tampa Bay lineup, again, they don't have – you look at it and you're like, oh, I'm not really scared of anyone. But collectively as a whole, they're a tough lineup. They're obviously playing very well. Uh, So Junis, the big problem for me is the home runs. You know, you look at the strikeout-to-walk ratio, it's really good. But, man, he's just prone to home runs, uh, even though he's not even giving up a lot of fly balls. So that's what I worry about there. And I got to think Snell bounces back. If he's healthy, I can't see him having Oh, if he's healthy, he can mow those guys down for sure. Yeah. I mean, right. he, was, he was one of the best pitchers in baseball before he got hurt. Sabathia against Granke, Yankees, Arizona, minus 145. Granke could be very good, but he could be very bad at him. And this Yankees will take a lot of pitches. Yeah, I mean, look, it's not the same Yankee lineup. They just got all these injuries. Uh, Granke has just been so up and down. Now, he gave up four home runs opening day to the Dodgers. Uh, and he's bounced back pretty nicely since that uh, strikeout-to-walk ratio was good. Uh, I could see – I don't think I'll use him, but I could see him being in play tonight just because the Yankees' lineup is watered down. 
All right, Dodgers 40. Why uh, do I keep on doing that? And the Dodgers Giants, Walker Bueller, Drew Pomerantz. I love Walker Bueller. He has not pitched well this year. The matchup's great, and it's a great park environment, and that's why you get him at a, a little bit lower of a price. 9900 But he could be good. He could be great. He could be. I think even Pomerantz is a little sneaky. His velocity's up. He's coming off an outing where he struck out five over six innings. Uh, the Dodgers not as good on the road. Uh, I think Pomerantz is a little sneaky, too, at 79. All right, give me 15 seconds on Griffin Canning and why I should use him tonight. Uh, I mean, it's his major league debut. He's going against Toronto. Uh, he's cheap, 7,800. Toronto's not a great lineup, even with Vlad in there. They still have guys that can strike out. So I think what you're hoping for is, you know, seeing a guy for the first time. Toronto doesn't have a, a great scouting report, and uh, he goes out there and, and gives you enough strikeouts to be productive for that price. All right, then finally Chicago against Seattle. Be interesting to see if your boy Felix Hernandez pitches well. He's not my boy. Don't say that. Your boy King I, Felix. I'm just saying. If he wins, he's your boy. If he loses, you hate nah, him. No, because I'm probably not playing him, <laughs> but he has pitched well. That's all I'm saying. All right, guys, this is Dr. Roto saying be well, take care, stay tuned for another hour of full-time fantasy right after this.